0: On the other side, after work, I was working as a freelancer. I mean, Upwork, People Per Hour, you name a freelance platform, I was there where I was doing what I really liked it, doing market research, business plans, working with entrepreneurs, and you know, being always on top of the latest trends and the lowest technologies.
1: Welcome to Pros Business, where we have conversations with people in business about their business journey so as to provide our listening community with a variety of strategies that can help grow their businesses. Welcome to Ask the Pros Business. You know, Ask the Pros Business is about, you know, speaking to guys like you that have been there, done that, experiences, you know, challenges, you know, and things that have worked well for you. Things that have not works so well for you you know you come on the show share your journey your story so that all the people that want to go into business we know that you know doing this is fun but this probably will be the challenges that you will face so guys on this show we, we have Dancho here Dancho is the, is, is the founder of BZB Solutions which is a digital marketing agency and Dancho is here to tell us his journey how he started you know and now I I believe now he has a team behind him that that his system is now more automated which makes it easier for him you know and then on this show, we start from the beginning, which means, you know, telling us how these whole things started for you. So for you, how did the journey start for you?
0: Yeah. Hello, Kisina. First, thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm always excited uh, just to, to participate in this kind of podcast show, because if we can inspire at least few people to take on the entrepreneurial journey, we did our job. I mean, I know it's a rough part. There are so upsides and downsides, but it's worth it. I mean, it's not a one-way thing. You should more look at it as a, as a lifestyle rather than let's make a business, let's make a million and, and run. But it's more like, yeah, I want to be my own boss and I want to keep doing what I want and probably someone to pay me for, for what we do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're so, welcome. You're welcome, my friend. You're welcome.
0: I was just figuring out how did you name to the, the podcast, but now I've realized it is ask the pros Yes. that is ask the pros. And I was like, okay, weird name, but now when you pronounce it, I was like, okay
1: now it's clear yeah, why, yeah, why it's asked it like the pros the because name. because you are the pro so i'm asking the pro so you know <laughs> that's that Up and it was this point i didn't c- capture that part that
0: was the the meaning but now i know it at least
1: yeah it's it's ask the pros. So if you can see my t-shirt yeah ah nice yeah, yeah, yeah nice yeah, yeah, yeah. i should have one with those, <laughs> uh, like but yeah, solution. yeah but yeah, are superman so it's, it's, it's all good
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice so christian to 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 not give you the long story, because then I'll at least need a beer or something. But <laughs> um, in short, yeah, I was actually working for a software, de- software and hardware development company, and we were doing hardware and a lot of weird codes. I'm an economist in background, so I'm not a developer. And I was actually managing the software development team. And it was a real hustle to talk with people with IT people in particular, I mean, they're in their own world. They have their own language. They have their own conversation. And it was really hard for me because on the other side, after work, I was working as a freelancer. I mean, Upwork, People Per Hour, you name a freelance platform. I was there where I was doing what I really liked it. Doing market research, business plans, working with entrepreneurs, and you know, being always on top of the latest trends and the lowest technologies. So, the switch for me personally was that at one point I was more, I was earning more money from my freelancing world than actually being at the full time job. So I will be nine to five. And then from there, I actually need to keep on working and doing what I want. And at that point I said, look, software development, good salaries, of course, in the IT. But on the other hand, the passion that I had was more into working with entrepreneurs and having uh, my own company. Absolutely. So like it or not, I mean, trade-offs here, you work eight hours here, you work far less and you still get the same money. So as a young and lazy guy, I said, quit <laughs> the job, take the freelancing role. And you know, it is a risky move, especially because at that time I was just married like three months since I was married. Wow. And it is a risky move. I had an apartment under lease that I need to start paying, but it, it worked out fine. But but, but, but at the end of the day, it it, it was your passion. You followed your passion anyway. Yeah. The passion was the driving force because I was like, yeah, I can keep climbing the corporate ladder and earn my even higher salary. But you know, you're when you're watching on the clock, what time is it and when I'm going home, it's not really a passion compared to, I would realize that it's 3 a.m. and I'm still doing what I want. It has a completely different sense. And, you know, I I was like 27, 28 at that time, Uh, I have decided to actually be a digital nomad. And as a digital nomad, you know, you're like you, your car, your car and your wife, and you're just traveling around Europe. I mean, we are based in Macedonia. So for us, it was really a driving distance to go to Germany, to go to France, to go to Italy, to go to Spain, uh, to go to Netherlands and see all the nice stuff. And, you know, the digital nomad life. you woke up, you work a bit, you travel a bit, then you work again a bit, then you travel to a different cut, a city or a different country. Yeah. And it is living the dream at that age. Uh, but, you know, at certain point, you realize that that is not what you want in life. I mean, yeah, we all want to just walk around and enjoy the beach and everything. But at some point, when you start considering about family or growing your your family, but also growing your business, not just as a freelancer, you're realizing that uh, like it or not, you you actually need people in order to grow the business so you can start working on your own. But then as you have more work and more lo- work, you actually need people. You need people to start working alongside with you in order to keep up with the demand. And of course, when there is enough clients, you don't want to just give up on those. You always have to capture the work. And with that driven uh, intention for me, it was that, okay, we need to start a team in Macedonia in order to keep on with the management consulting, but also having the the traveling lifestyle. My first thought was that easy peasy, just hire some freelancers from third country. And then there you go. You have a team. We tried. It didn't work. How did I that? Mean, how did that? How did that go? Nah, you also tried that route. No, nah, that route didn't work at all. Because okay. when people work as freelancers, it means that they probably have a different work that is full time, and then you cannot really get the quality that you want in within that time frame. And you know, I mean, there are so many different mentalities. I mean, we work with people from India, people from Philippines, from Bangladesh. And yeah, there were some really good freelancers from them, but there were also a lot of people that they they were just saying, okay, we'll we'll do it and then just disappearing. And I've realized that they're affecting my brand and my image because in front of the clients, they're talking with me. They have no idea that there are people behind. And then I've realized that like it or not, there has to be a company with people full time that I could maintain the quality. So for example, if I don't like something, I can say, okay, let's do it from scratch. I'm not happy and I'm not comfortable just giving it to, to the client. But you know, when you start building a team, it has a lot of new headaches because I, I didn't have an experience before that. So it was like, okay, there are a bunch of people in an office and you need to figure out what to do with them. So, so, I mean,
1: so, so what was, what, was the, what was the most difficult thing, you know, that you faced?
0: Well, in terms of uh, difficulties, it was having too many hats. You know, I need to be my marketing head. I need to start promoting the company and ensure there is a, the our, war, our voice is heard second. I need to put my sales hat and actually try to talk with clients, negotiate with prospects and try to get some work. Then I need to be actually a project manager because I need to have a team and tell them what to do and measure and everything. And on top of that, I need to figure out how to keep developing the company on a strategic level, like introducing new services or new. And there are positions intended for all this that you you as an individual need to do on your own. And it's interesting, Cassiana. I mean, uh, if you have a partner or if you start a company with five people, you can delegate you'll be responsible for that you for that but when you're starting on your own you need to make sure of all of that because if you're too focused on sales there will be so many clients that you cannot serve and or if you're focus too much on the execution. Yeah. Clients will be happy, but there will be no new ones. And that is like juggling between, uh, either execution, uh, either marketing. Are
1: you have to strike a balance.
0: Yeah. And the balance is always important, but I somehow always neglected it. I mean, for me, balance is like taking everything into consideration. Well, for me, I'm like, focus. Are we now in execution? Let's do execution. Are we now in sales? Let's do sales. And it brought a lot of headaches in that area. Yeah. And when, when we started BB I started myself my wife and four interns i mean we did, we couldn't even afford to have full-time employees. So we started with interns and then started growing them into, into full-time employees. And it's interesting, Kisina. I mean, uh, when you bring people and you know that this is it, a uh, time flies. I mean, we had days where we work 18 hours per day. Wow. It's like from morning till evening. Uh, but you know, as you said, the passion, when you're inspired on what you're doing, uh, you stop counting time. And then when they said was it yesterday or was it last week? And we were like, we stopped counting time. For us, it's just moving, pushing forward and pushing the, the boundaries. So that was how we actually got to to B and its starting point with with four with four interns. And the next stage in our company was the exponential growth. I mean, within twelve months we went to four people to thirty something people within 12 months. And those, I think were the key mistakes that are interesting for, for entrepreneurs, because in terms of starting a business, I mean, yeah, you can just say tomorrow I'm starting the business, go start the company and that's it. But. To survive alongside that high growth or even we had to even step, took a step back in order to, to continue the growth. That's, I think was the, the most valuable part here. So what happened with us was that we were always sales driven. If there are clients, we recruit more people. If there are clients, we recruit more people. But at one stage we had projects that are like, we need 10 people for two months. And those are a risky move because yeah, if you want to fulfill, you need to hire 10 people in a very short time frame. But while recruiting all that, we got to a point that we were 30 people without any capacity of the company. We didn't have any HR, we didn't have any structural uh, marketing, uh, we didn't have project management in place. So it was like headaches, 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 and maybe and that's the, the Superman no,
1: shirt. <laughs> and there was no, there was no proper organizational structure, right? Nothing. Nothing.
0: And I was really feeling like Superman just jumping from fire to fire and extinguishing them as they become. But then I realized I was really doing it wrong. I mean, you cannot rush the growth of a company or growth of the business. Yeah, you can get some venture capital. Someone throws out a lot of money and then you can bring a group of 10, 20, 30 people in a group. But that's not the team. That's just a group of people. And that's where I realized that, yes, if we want to grow, we need to take a step back. Slow down a bit on the growth, start uh, start focusing more on the current people that we have, start thinking about project management, start thinking about, okay, but where are we headed as B2B solution? I mean, we were offering market research services, business planning services, lead generation services, product sourcing, and they were like five or 10 more services. So we were all over the place and our primary focus was also on the freelancing platform. I mean, that was my background as a freelancer. So for me, it was like the more you apply on more job gigs, the more work you get, the more people you need to, to execute. But then we realized that I hadn't spent a dime on on marketing or on promotion in things that actually you need if you want to grow as a company. And this was actually a turnover for us because we realized that you cannot just jump on the freelance platform and grow into 30 people and still depend on the freelance platform. Uh, The freelancing became so competitive because people were offering very low value, very low pricings, which was quite competitive for us to compete. And we said, okay, well, let's actually move outside freelancing world. And then i realized how hard it is to run a company. I mean, if you can consider that you need blog posts, you need a website, you need social media, you need content creation, you need so many things and so little time. And this is the, the, the main problem that... I personally face, but honestly, based on that, it was the main service that we offered. If you check our website now, we're a specialist in B2B world when it comes to lead generation and appointment setting. So probably I need to go over all those pains in order to realize that, yeah, you need a constant flow of leads in order to grow your business. But also you need to have your marketing and sales in check in order to have a healthy growth rather than now you have five leads, then zero, then one. and perhaps driven by that, we actually now uh, specialize in B2B lead generation. That's
1: how currently BSB operates and that's how we currently help clients. Cool, 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 Daniel, man. Nice one, man. I love the journey, you know, the story so far. You know, you you going back a bit, you know, you spoke about starting this this with your wife, you know. So starting with your wife, was it like a partnership or or she was just helping you?
0: Well, uh, formally, I think the company is registered on my name and she was helping me. But uh, in practice, it was like shoulder to shoulder. I was working 18 hours, she was working 18 hours as well. And perhaps that helped me a bit because, you know, when you feel down or depressed, you know that you're not alone and that your spouse is also here with you in order to, to help you through the journey. I mean, there are so many entrepreneurship stories I've heard is like they, they did 18 hours per day and then they got home and then their wives or spouses. Okay. It can be also for men are not satisfied with the relationship and they get divorced and the, the marriage falls apart. Well, in my case, I got lucky, I think. I mean, my wife was also excited in this, so we were like hand to hand pushing things forward. Were yeah, uh, different uh activities, but all the effort that I
1: put, I think that my wife put the same effort as well. Okay, so so there was now there was there was that job satisfaction between between the both of you, and that and that you and that you 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 said that that really made you grow the business properly because you you know that you had that shoulder, you had that partner. And you, and you have that, that person to cry to when things are not going well. And, and you guys kind of like put your ideas together and you, and you grew the business from there, right?
0: Yeah. Well, Kisina, starting a business and running a business is a pure roller coaster. It goes so up. Then tomorrow there is two pissed of <laughs> clients that are cursing around. It goes so down. Then after three days, you get a new project. You're so excited. And then the other three clients from previous year said that they want to do a follow up project. You're extremely excited you're jumping on the clouds and then uh, the next two months, there is not enough work to cover the capacity. So you're juggling between stuff. So it is really a roller coaster. And I mean, I could recommend recommend to, to partner with someone because it takes a toll. I mean, you, you shouldn't sleep for, for months, for years, and it's not a sprint. You cannot just start a business in two months, become a millionaire, but it is a marathon. It takes time. It takes passion. So if you're really stuck with something for the rest of your life, at least choose a business that you enjoy doing. I mean, choose a business that you're passionate. It's not like you're going to work less or, or smarter,
1: but at least you're going to enjoy it during the, the hours that you spend in working. Yeah. So as of all the roles, you know, you spoke about earlier on, you know, it could be the math could be the marketing, the editing, the sales and all, you know, you mentioned a few, a few roles you know, now that you have a team together, what role do you play the company now? Well, now it's a different story. I mean, BSB
0: is five years on the market already. And now we are 20 something people. And that's the interesting part. At this point, I don't know how many employees we have. And when, and I'm saying full-time employees in-house because now we have a sales team with a sales manager. Uh, we have a marketing team with a marketing manager and a project manager that takes care of the employees and the execution. And from day one, when I was starting BSB, my whole goal is to create a company that would work independently from me. I mean, at the end of the day, Siena, when I took those initial interns, they had one goal. The moment I won't need them, they're hired. And we keep on with that strategy because I needed a business that could operate without the owner. Because in so many cases, the company cannot breathe and everything is toward a single person, which becomes a bottleneck. And now, for example, the project manager has the authority and the capacity to fire people. She doesn't like someone to work with. She just fires them, or they are incompetent. But then she puts a new job ad. She does the interviews. She recruits people. She onboards them, trains them, and gets them. And it's the same for the sales mar- manager and for the marketing manager. So I'm not really needed in the ongoing activities. And honestly, I have the cycle closed. So marketing can actually bring the awareness, can bring some interested leads and then they move them to the sales. Sales, then have several calls, proposals, uh, financial decision making, they do the decisions. And from there, there is usually a kickoff call where the salesperson is meeting with the project manager and the client. There is a proper transfer where the project manager takes off. If the project is one month, six months, 12 months, the project manager is doing the execution. And then uh, we have the administration that takes care of invoicing, legal part and everything else. So even if I disappear for a month or two, which before the corona we were actually going to to different places for two to three weeks, I know that the company keeps generating money and keeps working that was maybe also a problem for me when I was a freelancer that if I get sick or if my wife gets sick they're sick there is no more revenue I mean we both stop working take care of each other and there is no additional revenue well when you have a company and when you have a structure in place, even when you take a holiday or even when when you are sick, you know, the company keeps, keeps working. Yeah. Yeah. It works for you. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that helps me just to add on top of that for me to focus now my time, instead of working in the company to start working on the company. So now everything I do is strategically oriented, whether we are creating new services, uh, whether I'm creating webinars or whether even like this, I'm trying to spread the world to uh, to as many podcasts as possible in order to inspire other entrepreneurs to start the entrepreneurship journey. Now I'm even writing a book, which is expected mid-2021 to be out. I mean, it is like... 20, 200, pages, but in order to do that, you need time, you need time to things to stop or continue without you. So you can actually focus on improving your services, improving the processes, uh, figuring out completely new services that you can introduce. But now I have the luxury to do that. Before that, it
1: was like juggling between a lot of different <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. Um, now you said BZB is, is, is five years now, you know, at, at yeah. what points? Our point, you know, in building this brand that you, you said to yourself, okay, this is it now, you know, we are going all in now, you know, our point, you know, it was, was it the, was it the second year or third year? You know, what point did things really start getting, heating up and you said, you know, this is it now, no going back for me. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: I think that from day one, for me, it was no going back Okay, because, you know, we took a loan, we rented an office, we bought five, six computers, we hired four interns and I was like. I have enough money for two months to figure this out. Otherwise we had an apartment that we need to pay. We had bills that we needed to pay. And from there we never looked back. I mean at never at not even one point we said, okay, let's quit the company and find a job. Because first it was very inspiring for us to to grow BisB as a company. A second, we learned a lot. I even have a theory that if you're a business owner in one year, you can learn almost as a four years working as an employee in a corporation, because as an employee, you have jobs and responsibilities and you learn them and you go in depth while entrepreneur it's like, okay, we have a problem. I need to learn all about it and how to solve it. Once you solve that, there is a new problem. Then you need to learn a lot about that. So it's never the same day again. Every day is a completely new experience, but like it or not, that for me became like a norm. It's like, okay, one month ago, no, two months ago, sorry. We said, let's introduce newsletter. So be weekly. Now we have a newsletter. but. In order to that small project to work out, there were so many decisions. There were so learning curve, okay, a newsletter, what should we have? What kind of section, what should we put in each section? Now we have it for like a few months and then it's standardized and I'm losing the excitement. Now we're saying, okay, let's do a video interviews. Who are we going to (laughs) interview? What's going to be in the interviews? How are we going to promote, which is completely new. Now we've did like. 10 different video interviews. So that's, that's good. Now I'm saying, okay, how about if we create a digital B2B marketing magazine? Can we do that? Or what if we actually create a series of webinars? So as I'm showing you that it's not, I'll learn one thing and I'm just going to keep on doing that, but it's always doing something new, something exciting, something that you've never even considered before.
1: And you need a lot of learning and you need a lot of mistakes in order to, to capture it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's good because I know now we, we what are you basically doing? What I understand is you are adding different products. So right. there is no one product like other big on other big corporations. They do this. They do this as well. You know, they add they add yeah. different products to their products. So they, they can start with, like Coca-Cola start with say, we just Coke anyway. But later on, you you have the Sprite, you have the Fanta, you have other products. Yeah. So so you're adding, yeah, you're adding different products, you know, to your brand. And now, you know, there's a question I always ask, you know, in my interviews, branding, you know, at what point did you you sat back, look at Bee and say, you know, this is my brand now, you know, and I'm gonna grow this brand. Now, coming to branding, you know, how have you managed to brand your business to be different from others, you know? In a way, what makes you different, you know, to other people doing the same thing as you, the same B2B, you know, digital marketing? around you or anywhere else, you know, to say. Well, Christina, when I started BSB, I mean the business B
0: in our title is also as a business B, as you can see, the (laughs) BSB, uh, we were focused on a marketing capture that has unlimited potential in marketing in terms of hardworking bees. You can create logos, you can create bees with different characters and stuff. But from unique selling point angle, what you're referring to as a brand, I think we've started two or three years ago, because the first few years, I didn't have a need for marketing because a freelancing platform, there is a gig, you apply it, you get it, you execute it. So you don't really need the brand or positioning on the market. But then a few years ago, when we said, well, look, freelancing is not really working for us anymore. We need different channels and we need to actually go out and, you know, fight on the open market. We need LinkedIn. We need email. We need to reach out to potential clients, talk with them. At that stage, I've realized how back we are. We are like a three year old company with zero year marketing in itself. So we needed to catch up on all that marketing that we left behind in order to, to grow as a brand. And when it comes to differentiation, uh, the, the only differentiation that we're having is that we build everything. We try it on us and then we try to sell it to to, cl- to clients. So we are currently using a LinkedIn outreach. I personally have five LinkedIn profiles that we're using LinkedIn outreach in B2B for high ticket service providers. So we are having like a internal laboratory. You know, we test, we experiment, we figure something out works we offer it on the market. Then we have a new idea. Okay, how about we use digital magazine, for example. If I want to offer a service, I'll first do it for BSB. I'll just try to learn everything. Try to see all the pitfalls that could be done. And based on that, we can then go to the outside world and think, look, there is a new service that, that we can offer. I was never personally into the being cheapest on the market. That route from the start, we I didn't like to, to go because every time when you're comparing on price, there is there will always be a cheaper option. Absolutely, even if you're the lowest, cheapest price, someone will say, Well, I'm a freelancer, I can do this in my spare time. So I can do it for free even. While on the other hand, when you're going on the more expensive uh, option, you always have the luxury first to spend more time with the client, put some additional value and not to be well, you know, for that kind of money. That's all I can do. But actually try to really think to help the client. And this is where clients starting to feel. You know, when someone is after you just for the money and you're like, well, five hours I spend it, that's it. Well, there are suppliers that like really want to hear you out, give you some recommendation and really help you. And it really makes the difference when people are really trying to give you an advice and help you rather than I'm a supplier. If you give me money, I'll just work for you.
1: yeah that's true and going to social media now because you just mentioned LinkedIn and you know it's one of the biggest outreach you know Um, coming to social media we, we know social media can be good it can be bad as well you know what other social media outlet do you play with you know do you work with you know apart from LinkedIn mm-hmm.
0: well um Christiana, when it comes to B2B world I mean that's the world where we specialize LinkedIn is the main platform that that you can use I mean you can go to Facebook but it's more B2C which is not really your target you can go to TikTok but it's really for a re- really young audience I still haven't tried to get <laughs> the world around it but when you're approaching in the B2B world you You need a database that it's up to date on its own. So for example, if you change your job, you go on LinkedIn and you're just going to update your database. So be having access to LinkedIn. It's a really good for the B2B, especially the high ticket service providers. And we always preach that. Yeah. What kind of other options do you have? You can go on Facebook. You can put a flashy LED light by here, but that's really for consumers, you know, swipe your credit card, three, $5, compulsive, impulsive buying. However, when you're selling $5,000, $10,000, we even have 50000 to $100,000 service. Things change. You cannot really go to us anywhere actually, you cannot even go to a platform and say, hi, my name is Dancho. I sell this is just 50,000 euros. Would you buy it? Here is the the terminal to swipe your credit card. And it doesn't work. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Who are you? Have I heard about you? Do you? Have you done anything like this? I want to talk with your reference. I want to see. I, I don't trust you in order to give you that amount of money. And then we've realized that in the B2B with high ticket service, providing relationship building is the key. And for me, it's really weird. I mean, I will always give the example in the bar. But when you go to a bar and when you meet a girl, you're not just saying, hi, will you marry me? Of course, she's going to say, who is this weirdo? (laughs) But you start, hi, let me buy you a drink. What's your favorite movie, movie and stuff movie. Okay. Sport team is a very bad example, (laughs) but what's your favorite movie? And whatever she said, you're saying same for me. I love that movie. You haven't seen it ever, but that's the relationship building. Okay. Maybe on a false pretense, but my whole point is that, yeah, you just engage into conversation. See if you click, if you click, you deepen the conversation. If not, thank you very much. And then you just continue to the next person. And I really don't know why online, people are not doing the same because even on physical events, when you go to a conference or to a physical event, you're saying, hi, my name is Dancho. You start building some chit chatting and see if there is a qualification or opportunity, but it's not like, hi, my name is Dancho. Would you like to buy? No, thank you. Hi, my name is Dancho. Of course, nobody would like to to even talk to you. Yeah, You'll be the party crusher in that case. And it's funny on LinkedIn or on email or even on all social media, people do that. They're like, hi, would you like to buy? No, thank you. And they're doing the number of games. I mean, they reach out to millions with a conversion of 0.00001. They're going to get some result, But if you're trying to do as a high ticket service provider, that could damage your brand. I mean, you know how awful it looks when you see a consultant or a coach or a digital marketing agency that they price their services a lot. How desperate is just reaching out to prospect. Hi, buy my service. Hi. Hi, buy my service. And then instead of like, hello, how are you? How is business? Uh, I, what kind was, of marketing? I, I, how, how was your day? In? Yeah. How was your day from start? And you know, people love to complain. I don't know why it's in our DNA, but when you say to someone, how was your day? They're like, Oh, don't ask. I started at this AM. This happened and this happened. And you're like, Oh, so sorry to hear that. How are you currently surviving the corona? which is an open-ended question people talked a lot. And then you're really trying to to help the people. It's not like you're faking it. It's like, okay, what are you currently doing in marketing? Well, we tried this, we tried this. Have you tried a better way or have you tried LinkedIn? We've tried it. Are you happy with the results? Can I help you someone? Even if you're not my client, can I help you use LinkedIn better? Because when I position myself as that, I'm really trying to build a relationship. And yeah, we did have a lot of discovery calls where on the discovery call is like, Look, Kisena, listen to me. I heard you out. Here is what I would do if I was on your place. First, LinkedIn, forget about it. It's not for you. You need a digital asset. You need a landing page and you need this and that. And that's actually giving a free value, a free advice, because I know that when I start with that approach. I have a long-term friend rather than a client. And when you start looking at that, yeah, relationship is, there are clients will come and order a few hundred euros service. And if they're very happy down the road, they can come back with 10, 20, 50,000 euros services. And that's the difference between relationship building and actually spamming. I mean, the other route is just spam everybody in terms of, (laughs) until they ban you, block you or just say, please stop bothering me. I really don't want to hear. Any more from you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daniel, I like the part where you uh, you talk about relationship building. Uh, I think it's one of the core the the core underlying. Would I say? a bedrock you know base factor we need to build our business on apart from being building a good relationship you also have to be relatable as well you know because yeah. when, you, when you're relatable people will be able to talk to you you know you'll be you know you, you'll be you'll be easy to you'll be you'll be more easier to approach as well you know and speaking about linkedin and social media and all that you know i, I know that people that there's people always say that you know never build your your house or whatever on a rented property and this is where i'm yeah. going with this now you know LinkedIn is a rented property, you know, and tomorrow if LinkedIn yeah. should go, you know, and there's no LinkedIn, what other areas do you now build your business with?
0: Yeah, that's a very strong question. And it's not just on LinkedIn. It's it's also a saying, never put your money on, Zach, on Zuckerberg's back, back <laughs> because he can just close the channel and that's it. That's it. It's funny for me, LinkedIn is just one channel of gathering new leads for us. But there are so many things after we get the lead that I can tell you a whole story. For example, with the lead generation on LinkedIn, yeah, we are reaching out to people, trying to qualify them, start building the relationship. We don't use LinkedIn as a sales channel because there is absolutely no selling in the chit chat and there is absolutely no pitching on the chit chat. Chit chat is, how are you? How are we? We actually help this. If you're interested, come on a call. So we're trying to take away all the audience from LinkedIn and bring them on a call because once we have them on a call, we can provide them with value. We can get their email because in order to come on a call, we need a Zoom. For the Zoom, we have an email. And then we can start building them into our newsletter from one thing. Then the salesperson could try to give them some free services in order to not hook them up to our services, but to just experience, experience how it is, how great is oh, working with us. I can taste, just give them a taste. Yeah. When you go to a supermarket, you know, those cheese taste place that they just try, yeah, sir. Yeah,
1: just try some. When, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's the goal. Try if you like it. Mm, that's very nice Where Can I buy a kilo in best case, but it's even wonderful case. It's like they become a loyal customer and they start buying kilo per kilo on a, a regular basis. So same with us. Once we collect them from LinkedIn, we do have them with us. And then in our database, we're trying to nurture them with newsletters, with blogs and everything to follow up on your logic. If LinkedIn shutdowns, I mean, we do SEO as well. We do blog writing, we do Facebook, we do YouTube video creation. But my whole goal is that when you're doing inbound marketing, which some, which most of the marketing agencies do, it's not a quick win. With SEO, you cannot create a block and expect clients within the first month because you create the block, then SEO takes in, then search engine takes in, and it will take some time with the outreach is like within a few weeks, you can get several people on the call. It cannot be faster because even if you put ads, People don't know you. You cannot sell on ads like 40,000 euro service. Here is an ad. But with LinkedIn, when you're relatable, you, you put it really good. You are talking about yourself. You're creating even several posts, sharing stories. How you started is also showing that, yeah, I'm not a CEO of a company and you don't have the right to talk with me. But. CEOs have problems as well. They also have ups and downs. They also have the pressure, even in corporation, they need to report to the board in order to to the shareholders, in order to bring results. So from my perspective, LinkedIn is the best B2B platform for high ticket service providers. There are so many uh, lead generation channels out there, but when it comes to efficiency and speed of getting results, I truly believe that the LinkedIn
1: is the best one. Nice one, dan I love that, man. In the course of your building your business and your career as well, you know, what would you say is the best advice you've gotten so far, someone someone has given you in order for you to build your business? What's that advice they gave you? Well,
0: I think there were two, but let me just recalibrate which was where. Uh There was a very nice saying that I'm preaching around here saying, if you want something done, you'll find a way. If you don't want something done, you'll find an excuse. And it for me, it is a mantra and we use it here with the employees because if something is finished, you're okay. But when someone doesn't finish something, you're like, okay, is it because he cannot do it or because he doesn't want to do it? And just start finding excuses. And when you set up that mentality, it's like when as an entrepreneur, you will see so many obstacles. It's like... If you find an obstacle, ah, I cannot go it because of X, Y, Z and so many excuses. But on the other way, if you want it done, you'll find a way. You're going to go avoid the obstacle or mitigate the obstacles. Or you're going to find a way how to keep pushing in the same direction. But if you're really not patient about your business on the first obstacle, and there will be so many obstacles throughout the entrepreneurship journey, you're like, yeah, I wanted to start the marketing agency and I created a proposal, but I don't know how to do it. PowerPoint presentation. That's it. I give up. I'm not going to do a marketing agency. Well, if you want it, it's like, okay, what should we do? Well, you need a PowerPoint presentation. I have no idea what's that, but left screen, YouTube tutorial, how to do it, right screen, a blank PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) One guy is talking on the left and you're just following them. (laughs) We have a presentation. Now you need to start selling. Well, I have no idea how to do it. Well, left screen YouTube tutorial, how to send messages or email or how to pitch or how to do it. And that's the mentality that I've incorporated, not just in me, but around me, because it is really just an excuses. Uh, I've seen so many times when you really want to do something, you're going to turn the world upside down in order to, to do it. On the other hand, if you don't want to do it on the first obstacle, you're saying, that's it, I've tried, but you know, this happened.
1: So that's really driving, it is a driving force for, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Now listen to my next question, which is, you know, someone probably saw you and said, "Ah, I I love the way you've, you know, built busy B, you know, I I like, I like everything you do there. You know, I want to start my own business as well. You know, What would be your advice to this person? Uh, For a person that wants to start their business? Yes. Well, Christina,
0: I've said this so many times to so many entrepreneurs. If you're not patient about your business, don't bother. I mean, I've seen entrepreneurs that are driven by money. And of course, I'm also driven by money, but it shouldn't be the main reason for starting a business. Because in absolutely any industries you start, if you're good at, you're going to make a lot of money. Even if you're good at a haircut as a hairdresser, the best one in Macedonia earned a lot of money. A lot, lot of money because they do hairdressing for celebrities and stuff. On the other hand, uh, they they they're patient about their want. But I've seen so many entrepreneurs. It's like, you know what? I'm gonna create a platform and I'm gonna create blah blah blah. And within three months, I'm gonna make millions. And I'm like, good luck with that. <laughs> if your driving force is not solving a problem on the market, but actually just financial incentive for you, then better get a job because you at least gonna get a financial in- incentive without trying to solve that big of a problem. And honestly, I strongly believe that when I talk with entrepreneurs within 15 minutes or half an hour, my focus is more to understand what's the driving force. And as I'm reconnecting with the previous conversation, Obstacles will come. There will be so many ups, but there will be so many downs. And if you're really not passionate about what you're doing, on the first obstacle, you'll start finding excuses why, well, I've tried and it didn't work it and stuff. <laughs>
1: it's true you're right man you're right you're like right. you it's you you got to have the passion as well and you also have to know your why as well why you want to do that as well because that your why would drive you far and will give you that urge you know to succeed as well you know and to end this you know what will be your last thing for someone that that will listen to this and say you know i, I listened to the founder of busy Bee and he said this and this is going to stick with me for a long time what will be that thing with entrepreneurs,
0: if I need to choose one thing for me is that proactivity is king. If you are waiting for the phone to ring and someone to call you, yes, I'm interested in your service. You've already lost. Instead of waiting for the phone to ring, you need to proactively start looking for clients. Even when you haven't started the business. I mean, our service is so much used in pre-start because you know what? I have an idea for a business that could do this kind of service. Well, reach out to as many people and check if they would be interested in this kind of service. It would save you so much time and resources to, to stop before you begin rather than just blindly follow the idea. So in my head, you cannot be an entrepreneur and just, you know, have your ego up. I'm not going to call anyone or I'm not, I'm going to wait and they will come. But the proactivity within the entrepreneur makes you talk with people because then you will listen to new ideas. I mean, you know what kind of service you want, but when you start talking with your target audience, you realize that so many features that are hard to build are not really needed, or they have some very simple additional needs that they have that you can easily uh, fulfill. So by talking with people and spreading the idea that you have and the business that you have, by proactively reaching out to people, you're going to get so much insight. You're going to get a whole lot of new clients and even people uh, in a pipeline. Why do you think there are so many pre-launch campaigns before a movie or before a book, before a product launch, because they're making a hype about the product. So when the product is out, you already have a market. So it's not like, look, I'm going to invest my whole life saving on this product and hopefully it will succeed. But you already people lined up and waiting for the product to come out. And it has to do also, Casino, with the branding, because I just recalled on the iPhone, uh, experiences and story that people are waiting in boots for two days when the new iPhone is coming up and they're not like, well, whether it's going to succeed. They already have customers before even trying to create the product.
1: Yeah. Nice one, Daniel, man. I, I loved, I loved all the answers, you know, love the show, love the conversation, you know, you're also doing a great job as well, you know, and if guys want to get in talk to you, you know, where's the best place for them to get in talk to you?
0: As a LinkedIn guru, LinkedIn is the main platform that I use.
1: What about about Instagram? Do you use Instagram?
0: Honestly, no, no. (laughs) I kind of, you know, there were newer generation that started Instagram. I missed it. I think I have a profile, but you know, when you're not checking it daily, you're not frequent. Facebook, old school, we still kind of check it and use it to communicate with people. But I think that the best way to, to start in this B2B outreach and start looking for clients and how you can bring more people to you is if they go on our website, bsb-solution.com. And we have a section, which is academy and we have a series of seven different ebooks that are free, and each of them talks about different parts from the outreach process. How to find your ideal client. I mean, compared against your strengths, but also the needs on the market. Once you have them, how to build a database of leads. There are so many tools and activities that you can do. How to create outreach messages to connect with your audience into relationship building, not into selling, how to then nurture when people start responding, how to actually move them into, you know, instead of what's the time and what is your favorite movie to actually keep on the conversation, pick up the curiosity high. So they would be really like, I want to hear more from this guy. And these kind of eBooks are small. I think there are 30 to 50 pages each designed. So there is not that much content, but I think it's a very great starting point for everybody that wants to start a business
1: and needs to think about getting clients even before starting the business itself. Daniel, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much. You've done great, you know, love the conversation so far, you know, and I'm also grateful for the time as well. You know, I love this.
0: Yeah, Kisina, thank you very much for having me on the show. I mean, I truly hope that we will get to inspire a few more entrepreneurs and more people will, will actually start the, the entrepreneurship journey. And honestly, I'm really glad that there is a podcast like like ask the pros because with this kind of podcast people can actually educate themselves and not blindly believe that yeah i have an idea i'll become a billionaire yeah. but there are ups and down and it is a journey and this kind of podcast like as the pros is actually meant for them to to realize how is it on the other side and that it is not a simple journey there are it is a roller coaster as i said
1: yeah yeah that's true man nice one man nice one nice one, nice one. loved it nice one